Hey guys, it's Rachel Cruz, co-host of The Ramsey Show. We hope you had an amazing Christmas. And now that you've got some time to unwind, get organized and catch up on your favorite podcasts before the new year. For this week's episodes, we're gonna try something a little different. So we've taken the most popular segments of The Ramsey Show history and created a limited series just for this week called The Best of The Ramsey Show. That means you'll hear some of our wildest, most inspirational, and possibly weirdest calls. In this episode, we're talking about the struggle that is the modern-day real estate market, what to do about it, and the right time to buy a house. These are some of my favorite moments from the show, and we think you're going to love it too. So enjoy. Brian is with us in Kansas City. Hey, Brian. Welcome to The Ramsey Show. Hi, Dave. Thank you. Um, so my question today is, uh, basically me and my wife decided that this was going to be the best year to build a house. And we're kind of finding out that's not really true. <laughs> uh, so we, uh, went under contract two months ago, um, gave our contractor the earnest money and the deposit. Haven't really heard a lot back from our contractor. Um, they haven't broken ground yet. And then last week, we got an email that said, due to material prices increasing, they have to raise the price of us, um, of the materials, and they have to raise the price of the house. So um, basically, I kind of pushed back on that, went back and forth with them for a little bit. And they said in the contract that there's paragraph 30, they have the right to raise the price based on material. Um, so talk to my mortgage guy. And he had his legal team look at it, and it looks like the only out that we have is if the loan gets denied, they legally have to give us our money back. Um, what do you think about the morality of that? Does that seem like a moral choice that's good? Does it not? Um, just your thoughts. That you that you walk away from the deal? Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, not the morality of them raising prices. No, not the morality of them. The morality of me walking away from a contract that I agreed to. Yeah. That was dumb. Uh, so what is the? how much did they raise the uh, prices? Uh, 3.5%. So it was about $10,000. Uh, and the other thing in the email they said is that they can no longer lock down prices with their vendors. So whenever they order say lumber for frame of the house whatever the price of lumber is that day is what we'll have to pay so it looks like the price of the house is going to increase also more than what they've already told you yes sir okay and what's the price range of the home what is the price overall uh the price was 313 and it's about 325 now okay and what's your household income about 90000 Okay. Well, um, to start with, let's just say that what they're telling you is the truth. Lumber is going up rapidly. That's not a lie. Um, and, uh, and they have the contractual ability to raise the price. And my guess is the market's hot enough that if you don't buy the house, they can sell it to somebody else. I would agree. Yeah. So I, I don't think they're going to be harmed in this situation. Um, 
but basically you'd have to get a turn down letter uh, turning you down for the loan from your mortgage broker? Yeah, he said that's no problem. Okay. All right. Um, I, I don't have an issue with the morality. I mean, the deal has changed. Uh, nobody in this deal anticipated that the deal was going to change. Uh, and based on the change, you don't want to be in the deal. You know? I don't want to be in a house that I feel like I kind of got, you know, the the bad end of the stick. I don't I don't think you're getting the bad end of the stick. I think I think if you're if you were building a cost plus house, which is how I build mine, meaning I buy I pay the costs and I pay the builder a, a flat fee to manage the project, you would be absorbing all of the increases. I'm building a commercial building that we break ground on a, a conference center here and our steel prices doubled and we hadn't even broke ground yet. And I'm, I, that's all on me because the contractor just manages the project in a commercial project. They don't, they don't, it's not a, it's not a turnkey deal. They pay, they pay them a contractor fee and we pay the materials. And so, um, and, and steel doubled. And, uh, so I've just got to go, well, do I really want to do this? Well, yeah, I'm, going to do it, but I told him to go and buy the steel and put it out there in the field somewhere so it doesn't double again in the next 18 months while we're screwing around with this thing. But um, but that that's the reality. Steel, plywood, uh, lumber packages, uh, glue, uh, wire, uh, there's a shortage of everything because all the factories shut down during COVID and the shortage has driven the price up. Uh, and then add to that that the real estate market got white hot coming out of COVID in most areas. So I don't, I don't think you're being hoodooed. I don't think they're messing you over. If I did, I'd just pull a plug on it in a heartbeat, just on principle. But uh, the other thing is this, um, you know, at, at 10 years from today, uh, is this all you're still going to be thinking about if you're living in this house? I feel like probably, yeah. Yeah, it's going to eat at you. for the, Yeah, you need to get out of the deal then. Cause it's just going to eat at you. Okay. But I don't think this guy's, I don't think this guy's a crook. Okay. Yeah. He, I, you know, he, I didn't get that vibe from him either. It's just, they're asking us to take their word. Like, Hey, you know, we are telling you, we don't know what the prices are going to be, but please take our word that we're going to try not to raise the prices. And yeah, he's not trying to, that didn't work last time. Yeah. But I mean, but, but, the difference is unmet expectations. You guys entered into this. Nobody saw this lumber shortage coming. And so, I mean, he's probably built houses 10 years and never faced this one time. And all of a sudden, the stinking lumber package went up, you know, a, a ton. And that's a major component in a residential home is the lumber package. It's your biggest item on your line items. And so, you know, he's... He, he's like, crap, now I got to go deal. Now I got to go deal with a customer who's going to be mad. Like I did something wrong and I didn't do anything wrong. I just got screwed myself by the situation. So, um, I, I don't think the guy's a bad guy. Um, he is passing the cost on to you, which he contractually, nobody ever thought you'd ever activate that little own clause of the contract, but he's able to do that. And, uh, so, but I think the biggest thing is, is you're just not ever going to be happy here. So you're better off to be done. Let's go to Suzanne out in Spokane. Hey, what's up, Suzanne? Hi there. Hi there. How's it going? I just love that it rhymes, Suzanne and Spokane. It just made me happy. It's good to have you, Suzanne. How can we help? Good. Thank you guys so much for taking my call. You got it. What's up? Um, So this is basically what I've got. 
So my husband and I, we moved up. We're actually in the North Idaho area, so we're just kind of over the border from Spokane. We moved here really unexpectedly last year after my husband lost his job, and it just ended up being such a blessing. He got a job up here, and we absolutely love it. And we don't want to leave. We're closer to family now, and he got a good job here. He's been able to start a business, so he's actually working two jobs. And I am a stay-at-home mom now. We've got two baby girls. Congrats. And so, thank you. So, it's really expensive here. That's one thing we didn't know. We didn't know the area that well, but we love it, so we're determined to stay here. Okay. And we were actually able to pay off all of our debt last month. Wow, congratulations. Awesome. Super, super exciting. Yeah, so in the midst of COVID and babies and this move and everything, we still managed to pay off our debt, so we own our vehicles, all that. And we're in a rental, but we've decided that we want to go ahead and buy, even though this market is really crazy and it's really expensive here. Mm-hmm. But we figured since we're debt-free, we can go ahead and pull the trigger and do it. So we're in the middle of purchasing a place that we found, so you in already have a contract out? And, yes, we okay. do. We Yeah, we close here in a couple weeks. Okay. Yeah. So it is expensive, and we know that, you know, we, we had started with a budget that was a bit lower, and we decided to go higher because we just we found this great property, and it just seems like a wonderful place to raise children. And since we're de- dedicated to staying in the area, we wanted to do it. So You've laid the groundwork to over... justify not making a smart decision. Is that what happened? Is Am I questioning the decision? Yeah, you've laid the groundwork to have possibly made a not great financial decision. It sounds like there's a lot of emotion behind this of just excitement about getting in a house right. and all, all this. So give us some details about the, the financial aspect. Yeah. So we, when we first started looking, so we've been looking for months and months with our realtor and we didn't have a super firm budget in mind, but we decided around the 450 mark was, we didn't want to go much over that. We felt we could really afford that and still be able to save money. But in this market and in this area where we live, what you can get for 450 just doesn't even seem worth it. These aren't even really starter homes. They're not even really fixer uppers. And we just found that nothing in that price range we were willing to go for. So we decided that we wanted to not only do a house, but get some property since we've got little kids. So we ended up finding something, but it's about a hundred thousand more. So five fifty. Then we initially started. Yeah. So now we're in the five fifty range. And how much are you guys putting as the down payment? What percent? Well, we aren't because we're both veterans, so we're going through a VA loan, so we aren't actually putting anything down. Oof. Okay. What's your take on? <laughs> yeah, so we are, yeah, we are going to finance the whole thing, um, which puts us at about a $2,500 a month mortgage. On a 30-year? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Suzanne! An all right, what's your question? You're getting us all fired up I'm here. getting riled up, Suzanne. How can we I help? Know. Well, that's what I was. I don't know if we can help. You're, you're knee deep in this thing. If I'm you, I'm getting out of this thing yeah. if there's still time. But you've but. already signed a contract. So, wh- what's your question? Well, my question is: um, Should we focus on saving money? Because you know we're in this. We're going to be paying this mortgage. Should we be saving money and focusing on that, or should we focus the extra money that we have every month towards this mortgage and get it down? 
you should have focused it before you ever got in this yeah. contract and had a healthy down payment on a 15-year. Uh, that's what I would feel better about. I don't love this idea of you guys getting out of debt and then taking on over a half million dollars on a mortgage and thinking that they're doing you a favor by giving you the VA loan. And is that not a big part of your take-home right. pay? What is your take-home pay? It is. Um, right now, well, we've got several different sources of income. What's the total? Here, here's what's happened, Suzanne. You have created a universe that you want to have. You want to be in this area. You want your kids in, in this area. Well, our kids need to go ahead and have this too. So you created that as well. And you've right. created a really fungible, flexible dollar amount. We just got a lot of money coming from this place and that place and this place. And here's what you've done. You've created a cloud that allows you to, A, not see very clearly and not have to see very clearly, which allows you to live in a fantasy. And now you've zeroed okay. down in one of the, if not the hottest real estate markets of all time. So it takes a teeny tiny correction and you are underwater in a half million dollar house working side right. jobs that are, we kind of make this, you know, and suddenly this zero down VA loan is a nightmare because you're underwater and you can't get out. So tell me how much yeah. money you make. How much money comes into the Suzanne and company home every month? Um, about um, my husband's business is tough. We can't because it's it's a new business. But about a hundred thousand a year right now. Is that take home pay or is that gross? Yeah, that's take home. So you're yeah, taking home about eight thousand dollars, right? Right. And your yeah. mortgage is going to be uh, over th about 31% of your take-home pay is going towards the mortgage. And that's on a 30-year, which we never, ever, ever recommend. We always tell people to do the 15-year fixed rate. But you're here, right? But we're here. Suzanne, how old are you guys? Um, 35 and 37. Okay. You've got a lot of life to live, and I want to see you live it. And I don't want to see you drowning in this giant mortgage payment with nothing down. Uh, I've, I've just... Talked to too many people, heard too many stories, uh, and they start out like yours, starry-eyed about mm -hmm. the housing market and wanting to get in, and we want the property, we got to have the yard, and the budget's flexible, and we're not putting anything down, and all of a sudden, they can't breathe. Yeah. And we get calls, I'm sure we'll take one during this show, where someone calls in and says, we're in over our head, we put nothing down on this house, and we're drowning. Mm -hmm. And so, if there's time to get out, I mean, it's just... You it's, signed, well, you signed the contract, so you signed the contract. I don't know what the situation is there. Uh, if you're stuck with this thing, you may want to look at increasing income, refinancing to a 15-year, and making sure that you can afford it. But as far as paying down the mortgage, I mean, it's a little late for that conversation because we're really we're knee-deep in this thing. Uh, but we recommend 10 to 20% down to avoid PMI or more on a 15-year, where, where the mortgage payment is no more than a quarter of your take-home pay. So, so far, every one of the, every one of the rules has been broken, <laughs> which just hurts my heart because I yeah. want to see you guys win. And you've worked so hard to get to this point where you're debt-free and you're making these decisions. And I don't want to see you step backwards and make a bad financial decision for your future.
Hey folks, Dave Ramsey here. There are moments in life we don't want to forget, like your kid's graduation or the once-in-a-lifetime trip. For the big moments, the everyday moments, and everything in between, every dollar is there to help you budget for all of it. It's the simple budgeting app that helps you plan, save, and spend for the important things. Budget for the life you really want, every moment of it. Download the app or check the link in the show notes to create your free account today, every dollar. When you get desperate, afraid, or angry, the higher thinking parts of your brain shut down and you don't make good decisions. So I have found in my life, once I get, if I get greedy, if I get uh, afraid, if I get desperate, right after that, I get stupid. And right after I get stupid, I get broke. Er. And, and so that's what's happening in the housing market right now. Because, oh, God, the house prices are up, and oh, God, the interest rates went up, and oh, God, I'm never going to be able to get a house. Oh, God. And once your brain starts doing that, you're getting ready to do something stupid. Party's over. There's going to be a lot of regret, and they call into this show and go, Dave, I did something stupid. Dave. Help me. Where were you three years ago when I was doing something stupid? I was sitting right here. That's where I've been for they 30 years. They always find the show. I haven't moved. I'm still here. And I'm still telling you the same things about money because these principles that we teach are timeless. Now, we teach people to get out of debt and stay out of debt. When it comes to a house, it's the only debt we don't yell at you for. And we always have told you, and we still will tell you, even with the house prices so high, to get a 15-year fixed rate where the payment is no more than a fourth of your take-home pay. Now, why do we do that? Just because we're killjoys? Kind Just of. because we don't want life to be good for you? No, we do that because we love you. We care about your financial future more than that banker does, more than the mortgage companies do. We're not making money off of this, off of the you getting a mortgage or not getting a mortgage or you getting a house or not getting a house. It's okay. We're okay. You're okay. But here's the thing. If you get in crazy mode because of what's going on out there, you're going to buy too much house. You're going to put it on a 30-year, and you're going to be stuck in the middle class or lower middle class loop all in the name of buying a house because buying a house is financially smart. If I can't get one now, I'll never get well, one. Well, they're throwing money away, Dave. They're oh throwing money God. away on rent. That's the argument. Calm down. It sounds like a weather forecaster when there's a tornado warning. That's the way your brain sounds. Oh, God! You know That's their Super Bowl. That's where they get to create all the fear. Oh, man. So, yeah, that, that's that, – and, and when your brain is doing that, so, you know, and people do it when, you know, the first time I ever heard it was like, okay, I live in California. Math doesn't work in California. Well, we kind of know that, but yes, it does. <laughs> For different reasons. A lot of psychedelic drugs involved in this, but yes, it does work. Yeah. So here's the thing. Speaking of California math, CBS News is reporting one of the biggest hurdles in buying a home is coming up with a hefty down payment. California has a new program to in quotes, help. First time home buyers jump that hurdle. What do you think, George? Oh, boy. Keep reading. You got it. California's forgivable equity builder loan allows first time home buyers who have enough income for a monthly mortgage payment to borrow up to 10% of a home's purchase price to buy a house outright. The loan has an interest rate of 0%, but borrowers who don't occupy the home for at least five years may have to repay the loan. 
What a concept. So uh, you can borrow your down payment at 0% in California. The new effort comes as real estate prices have hit record highs in California. And rising interest rates have pushed monthly payments up hundreds of dollars. This is the way people's brains sound. I'm telling you, I know exactly how your brain sounds. Because this is how mine sounds right before I do some stupid butt stuff. It sounds like a beagle chasing a rabbit. Is that what right? it sounds like? I don't know, something like that. But I mean, That's your close. brain, your brain is shutting oh. down. But the a numbers standard on this down hurt. payment of twenty percent for a home in California could cost upwards of a hundred thousand dollars. Well, no kidding. That's the thing. If you get a million dollar home and they're letting you borrow up to ten percent at zero percent interest, so letting you borrow a hundred grand, mm-hmm. you still then have to go get a nine hundred thousand dollar mortgage. Mm-hmm. And that's if your income qualifies. Now, that's assuming you qualify. But here's the problem, okay? You can't look out there five years in the future and know what stupid butt stuff the state of California is going to do that makes you want to leave. And you can't leave. Because then you have to repay that loan. Here is the thing. So even crazy people that believe in debt are saying don't do it, aren't they, George? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Credit Karma came out and said, this is probably a bad idea. If Credit Karma is saying don't borrow the money... This tells you don't borrow the money. I mean, this is like Jack Daniels telling you not to drink bourbon, okay? I mean, that's it's some bad bourbon, right? <laughs> it's got to be bad. Oh, my god! And I looked into this. Your income has to be less than 80% of the area med- median income. And so they're saying if you're broke enough, you can then afford all of this. And like I said with the numbers, housing in California, not cheap. So even with the borrowed money, they're allowing people to borrow way more to get into homes they can't afford. Okay, so these are less than 80, so you're eight-tenths eight of the median, the middle income of the area. To qualify. So this is um, middle income or lower middle income people only that are going to get in this trap. Yeah. Which are the people that can't get a house. Oh, God, you can't get a house. Listen, I'm making fun of you because I know how your brain sounds. I know that some of you are, have a valid concern about buying a home in this market. It's scary out there. House prices have shot up like crazy. All the indications of all the data from the industry is it's going to calm down. No, it's not going to come down. It's going to calm down. And uh, data that George and I saw in a meeting yesterday was that uh, in, in 2020, house prices went up 32%. Uh, in 21, they went up. What was hey, it? 18? Uh, eight, uh, no, it was uh, 14, I think. Okay. And they're expecting them this year to go up 7%. So it's slowing down. So the rate of in, – and the average house price year is about 4%, okay, over the last 25, 30 years. So we've had this huge spike post-pandemic. The spike is tapering off. There will continue to be a, an appreciation, an increase in value, but it will be a more reasonable. And no, you're not going to get priced out of the market if you continue to grow your career. You continue to manage money well. Are you going to buy a house right now? Probably not. You might be too broke to buy a house right now. You might be too broke to buy a car right now. You might be too broke to go on vacation right now. So don't do it. But, Dave, I got to live my life. Yeah. YOLO, baby. YOLO. I'm serious. All this stuff is temporary. And so calm your butt down. Don't use the emotions of the current inflationary cycle to um, cause you to dive off the deep end into a pool with no water. It's just don't do it. Don't do it. Calm down. Jackson is in Tampa, Florida. Hi, Jackson. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you? Better than I deserve. What's up? 
Hey, I got a question regarding the mortgage. I know you guys talk about, um, I have no debt, and uh, I know you talk about putting 15% towards investments and then um, the rest going towards your mortgage. Um, my, wife and our, my wife and I are incredibly risk tolerant, um, lost about $50,000 in our mutual funds over the past month, um, and still just sold my car, invested that money straight into the stock market because they're on sale. Um, so I know, well, I think that the math says investments, you're obviously a very successful man, so I'm not going to argue with you, but I'd like to genuinely know why, why do you go with that approach versus the investments if, if you're risk tolerant? Well, risk tolerance has to do with what your emotions will allow you to do without going into freak out mode. Sure. Okay. Um, and so, um, someone who has a very low risk tolerance can become a poor investor based on the fact that their low risk tolerance causes them to not take enough risk. Agreed? Mm -hmm. Yep. Someone who has too high a risk tolerance can cause them to be a poor investor because they take risky investments that end up losing more than they make because they live well, out on the I edge. Yeah, I'm. I'm like I'm 99% mutual funds. I'm 1% in football helmets. So like I'm, I'm in. I mean, I, I, for the score, stock market and for the score, stock market. I like it. Oh, this is so great! We have a new measure of things. This is awesome. Born on the air today. I love it. That's Jackson. You, Jackson, you get the award. Regard. You could go do whatever you want after that. So no, I'm kidding. All right. So. Uh, um, yeah, but my, my point is, okay, so I grew up in the real estate business and one of the things you do in the real estate business is they take your risk meter and they break it with a hammer. Real estate people have complete risk tolerance. We're idiots. Uh -huh. We're idiots. We don't even know there's risk. Okay. And that's what caused me to go broke because I was not measuring risk. So here's the, here's what ends up happening. Debt equals risk. More debt equals more risk. Less debt equals less risk. Uh, it adds risk to the portfolio. You're saying I can emotionally tolerate that. That's one discussion. Another discussion, though, is what is the fastest route to wealth, regardless of risk tolerance, okay? It, what's the fastest route to wealth? And, 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 you know, and within that, then, okay, we've got to discuss, can I stomach that with my risk tolerance? Do I have enough risk tolerance to go that route, the fastest, surest route to wealth, not just, mm -hmm. uh, and, and most likely. So I would go back to something like the 10,167 millionaires we studied and yeah. the number of them that said, because I had a high risk tolerance, I kept a mortgage the whole time and I invested all the money. And, uh, today I have a million dollars in mutual funds uh, or I have $2 million in mutual funds and I owe $600,000 on my house. The number of them that said that was less than 10%. Okay. 90 plus percent said, I got my house paid off and I dumped everything in mutual funds in my 401ks. Okay. So the practical facts are the, the normative way, the most likely way, the highest probability way, according to the data to build wealth is to invest into mutual funds and to get the house paid off. Um, instead okay. of, because otherwise you would say, you would say, all right, I'm going to borrow as much as I can borrow on the house all the time. And every so often I'm going to refinance it and throw all of that money with the cash out into the, and stay mortgaged up to my eyeballs. 
Yeah. If the concept worked, you would do that. But the problem right. with that is is that it affects other things in the unseen, and that is, is that the borrower is slave to the lender. You make different decisions in your life when you don't have a house payment about your career. Yeah. It puts different stresses on your relationships. It tr- You treat you know your children different. There's different levels of health issues when there's no debt versus if there's debt. Regardless of risk tolerance, all of those things end up applying out there in the real world. Yeah. I keep, I keep going back to the car. You said you're, you sold your car to invest. invest. Oh. Do you need a well, car? So, no, no, I don't. That Actually, okay. that was just, uh, I sold, I, I was able to sell my car. It was a Honda, a 2008 Honda Fit. I sold it for $300 more than I bought it for uh, five years ago. And so I bought an electric bike and I take that to work. I'm only three miles from work. Um, the problem is I do live in, you know, Florida, so I'm going to start sweating here soon. Um, <laughs> but no, the, that just, I just, my wife and I felt like we've got our 2015 minivan and like we can be a one car family. Okay. Um, okay. yeah. So that, that was more, well, I guess hey, I'm, I'm just, I'm having a little bit of trouble wrapping my mind around the math of it, but maybe I need to let that. I don't think it, go. here's the, okay. The math, here's how the math works. All right. In graduate level studies, in finance, or maybe even in a good school in the senior year level, um, we are taught to, Christina and I were taught to um, analyze two different mutual funds, okay? An aggressive growth stock mutual fund has a measure of risk called a beta. The higher the beta, the higher the risk. The higher the peaks and valleys if you chart it, the more volatile it is, okay? High beta, more risk, Okay low beta, less risk. And so you take an aggressive growth with a, be- a high beta and uh, a, maybe, a, maybe a 2.5 beta or something like that, and then you take a growth in income that might have a 0.8 beta, less than one beta. A one beta is the S&P 500, what the market does, just to give you an example. Okay. So here's how the okay. math yep. works. If you're, if you, in order to compare those two, they have different volatility so comparing them apples to apples is naive you see what i'm saying sure so you've the way you mathematically adjust for it is there's an inverse formula where the beta is flipped on its head within an inverse fraction so that the beta reduces the higher beta reduces the return of the of the risky investment and the lower beta raises the return of the lower investment so that after adjusted for risk mathematically you can compare these apples to apples does that make any sense it does i okay. knew you were smarter than i was and so yeah that that well I'm, it's just it's just what i was taught academically it's not i'm not a genius so the thing is what what has never happened though we're taught that in the financial world christina but we're not taught to do that with debt and so we compare a house with a mortgage equally to a house without a mortgage or an investment property with a mortgage equally to an investment property without a mortgage and we do not apply the increased risk a beta to the math formula and so our that's what i mean by real estate people their risk meter is broken they don't analyze for risk and we don't and we don't mathematically adjust for risk and so when we add the beta idea or concept to your question it says you are taking more risk so we should put a higher beta on your plan a lower beta on my plan and when we risk adjust mathematically our plans are going to be fairly equal mm. okay that's helpful i really appreciate it 
Cool. I don't know if that made any sense or not. Something like a barrel of fish hooks, but it is it is the truth. That that's the academic way of approaching it. The spiritual way of approaching it is the borrower is slave to the lender. One hundred percent of the references in the Bible to debt say debt is stupid. It's not a sin. You're a slave, you're a fool, you're impulsive. It always says that. So if the Bible says, and I'm a Christian, and if the Bible says negative things about debt, it doesn't say it's a sin, doesn't say I'm going to hell if I get a MasterCard. It's not a salvation issue. But, but if, if spiritually my heavenly father is saying in his handbook there's nothing good about debt, then I have to read that and believe it if I'm a person of faith. Absolutely. And then I can also go over here and use my brain and use a beta. And either way, I come to the same conclusion. Yep. That's such a great way of meshing those two things together. Yeah, it's uh, – but, but the – you know, I actually um, – I was speaking to a graduate level group at uh, Vandy one time and I walked them through that on the math idea. And they're like looking at me like, I've never heard that before. And I'm like, well, it's because nobody teaches it. Nobody talks about debt equals risk. So you need to factor a beta into it, a measure of risk mathematically into it. And when you put in a measure of risk mathematically into it, it takes away the advantages of debt. And guess what? We all know that because when you're debt free, you build wealth faster. So duh. You know, that's kind of the way this whole thing works. It's an interesting discussion. Though. I appreciate his question. Yeah, that's great. This next call of the day is brought to you by Blinds.com, where you never have to sacrifice your budget or your style because they make it easy and affordable to upgrade your home. Visit Blinds.com today to get 45% off everything site-wide. Rules and restrictions may apply. Caitlin joins us up next. She's in Arizona. Caitlin, welcome to the show. Hello. How are you? Good. How can we help today? Yeah, I just had a quick question in regards to overcoming a negative mindset. So I'm 29. I live out in Arizona. I'm a single mom. And as you know, our housing market has been Giselle intense, to say the least. Um, and I'm paying about 60% of my take-home pay in rent. Um, I, yeah, I, I can't buy in this market. I don't make enough. I pulled down to about 40 last year. Um, and I just feel like I'm spinning my wheels and that treading water feeling is really starting to get to me. So I was hoping you could provide some insight on that if possible. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll be honest, Caitlin. I'm like, I, I would feel that too. If, if more than half the paycheck is going to housing, that's a, that's a big chunk. So tell me, um, a little bit more about kind of the situation because you are obviously in an ex- a more expensive, I don't know if it's an area or apartment or what it is. Is there other options for you to, to change locations just to at least catch your breath and bring it down to at least, you know, we recommend 25, 30%, but even if it went down to 35%, that would change your world. Right. Yeah. Um, I live in a two bedroom apartment right now. Um, and I pay about 2000 a month. I had looked at going down to a one bedroom, the only trouble with that it was it would only save me maybe 300 bucks a month but i actually work from home um so i need and i have my son here with me too so i don't know how we would make that work yeah no two bedroom <laughs> um, yeah 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 so the have you pressed beds, i haven't oh sorry i was gonna just say have you have you driven you know 20 miles either direction of where you currently are just to see other prices uh right now i'm already kind of on the edge of um what I would consider to be a safe area. Um, so okay. I, I can look maybe a little bit deeper into Phoenix, but I just want to make sure we're, we're still safe and everything's good like that. So um, I, I could, I mean, I, I work remotely, so I could probably buy in other states and other markets, but my son's father's here and I really just don't want to leave um, my yeah. home state. So For sure, um, for sure. Understandable. And how much do you make a year? 
I pulled down about 40 uh, okay. last year. Okay. What are you doing for work? Yeah. I work at a call center for an insurance company. Okay. So there's there's only two ways we can go about this. I mean, we can we can spend less and we can make more. So do you have any payments in your life that we can get rid of? Do you have any debt? I don't have any debt. Um, I do have that going for me. I don't have any debt. And I do um, anticipate my income going up. Um, actually, I had a conversation yesterday with my supervisor that made me feel like maybe something close is on the horizon um, for getting my, my pay up. Um, I think it's just this waiting period between... Uh, making more money and trying to find something cheaper to, to rent. It's just, it's mentally been draining me, I think. But, For sure. Um, well, especially as a single yeah. mom, I mean, you're, you got your, how old's your, how old's your son? He just turned six. Oh. His name's Mason. I, I think he might be listening. That's awesome. So. Oh, hi, go, Mason. Mason. That's awesome. Oh, well, you're doing an incredible job, Caitlin. I mean, you know, the, the hard thing is it's nothing that you're doing wrong. It's just that the numbers are kind of stacked against you. And so, like George said, you know, an option of bringing in more. I mean, right now the job market is just insane. And so I would push and look to see if you can even, I mean, 40 grand, you know, you're, you're, you're doing fine, but man, people are paying just insane amounts of money right now for jobs. And, yeah. and since yours is not like very specifically specialized, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like you could, um, do all sorts of things, uh, even with the experience that you've had in this insurance role. Um, so, you know, I don't know if it's looking for something else or a different apartment, but one of those two things really probably, it needs to shift for your own sanity, Caitlin. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like even to have temporarily, the, yeah, to have the numbers work for you, um, it's going to be a big deal. Do you have an emergency fund, Caitlin? I do. Yeah. Okay. Three to six months in there. Uh, I still have my baby one. <laughs> I have a, a $1,000 emergency fund and then I have about 4000 in my my actual uh, emergency fund so i still need to build that up okay i think building that up may help with a little bit of that financial peace and anxiety about what if something happens if one check doesn't come in what are we going to do and if you get that in place then i'm going to start saving up for a house slowly and i know it's hard because there's not a lot of margin right now but that feels like it's the long-term goal and i'm hoping that all this craziness is not forever and so a year from now hopefully we're looking at a very different picture and you are work from home, and so that does open you up. But I know you've got to still stay close to home because of the uh, situation with your son. And so there's not a ton of options here other than let's look at the budget. Let's do a budget audit. Where can we save every single insurance premium, every single expense? I'm going through that with a fine-tooth comb going, how can I shave off 10 bucks, 20 bucks, 30 bucks? Yeah, absolutely. And then the income, I mean, the yeah, income and apartment um, situations would change too, yeah. you know. Yeah. But you're doing a great job, Kaylin. Yeah. You really are. You're doing a great job for for where you're at. Um, yeah. Incredible. No debt. You have savings. I mean, all of it. You you really are. But that sixty percent, it oh, that that hurts me. It's a tough situation. Mm -hmm. And this inflation stuff. I mean, it's hitting people all over their pocketbooks, yep. from rent to gas to food. And so there's you just batting down the hatches. And let's get to work. Let's get the second job if we have to. Let's trim the subscriptions that we're not using right now. And all the little luxuries that we once enjoyed might need to go away temporarily. Yeah. For and, a season, because they're saying, you know, I read a report and they think in the next 18 months with just even the, um, the supply chain, all of that. But I'm like, I mean, the hard thing is after two years, I've just learned who knows, like, who knows? That's right. I we remember, I remember April of 2020 doing Instagram lives. I did one like every other day just to answer questions. And I remember I said, I guys, I think by August, all this will all be over. It's all going to be over. <laughs> Here we are. So I'm not predicting anything, but 
I think you just have to prepare with where we're at, yeah. the reality of what's going on. And what, and what sucks is that that means cutting back some because the numbers, everything is going up. Yeah. And if you're single, you don't have kids, there's more options because we can go, all right, let's get you a roommate. Now, it's more difficult when you have a family, when you've got yeah. kids involved. It's not that simple. Right. But if you work from home, that can open you up to a lot of options, too. And You may not want to live on the outskirts of town, but temporarily for a year, if we have to sign that lease to go, all right, we can now breathe and still hit our other financial goals, I'm okay with that. And it's amazing what peace of mind even does, right? Like, we can talk about the numbers and the percentages and all of that all day long, but there is just something to be said about when you do have margin it gives you a level of peace, like mm. a level of like you can take a breath and sometimes it's worth the things you never thought you would do. I never would live this far from yeah. wherever Right? people make these claims. And then when life starts hitting you and you think, okay, is it now I would rather live far farther away yeah. and actually have peace of mind and margin and enjoy life a little bit more than everything just getting sucked out of the paycheck so much out of our control too and so i always like to go what is in my control yeah so in caitlin's situation if i'm anyone listening right now i'm going all right let me make a list of ways i can make more and ways i can spend less i'm gonna make a list of five things and i'm gonna go okay which one can i go do this week this month and just start trying things what can i sell on facebook marketplace that's been sitting in the closet for a while what is that second job i can take for a few months to just supplement my income temporarily. Yeah. And so if you start doing all that, and that's why I love the budget audit, it's kind of a real nerdy thing, but you go, man, I'm way overpaying for auto insurance. Let me connect with Xander, and oh my gosh, I just saved 100 bucks right there. And you start doing that in all areas. We've talked about this on your show, Rachel, with cable and internet. And yeah. how can we start shaving all of this down, our phone bills, to where now we have 200 bucks a month yes. in margin. And yeah. We can breathe a little bit. Yeah. And it's not easy. I'm not trying to make it sound like it's no, just... No, but it's the stuff that's the kind of the auto the auto draft, the auto pay, where you're just like, oh, and then you look up two years, and you're like, wow, I've never pushed on that or seen that. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and doing that, it does. It gives you gives you some more margin. Yeah, you got to advocate for yourself and get yourself in a better mm -hmm. financial position. And that's why our plan works in good times and bad. I mean, imagine if she had all these debt payments looming yes. in her life. Yeah. Ooh. Great work, Caitlin. Yeah. You've done a great job. Good job. Um, I've been renting ever since I graduated college. And I am 28, officially as of June, and I um, ended up going into a large investment and I'm just kind of looking to get advice in terms of liquidating my assets and my savings, um, hoping to do this without any of my parents' help, um, but they are offering, um, and unfortunately, crypto is not an option, which I had actually spent some time learning and investing in um, and thought that would maybe be an option to sell my crypto, but Sounds like Freddie Mac and, and such have not made legislation that allows me to, to use that. But um, I, I ended up selling all my employee stock purchase, um, my employee stock, um, which got me about half of the down payment for my home, um, which is only 10% um, of the um, actual loan. And the other half, I'm looking at um, my 401k. And the first thing I found when I looked up um, in terms of getting a 401k loan, uh, your show popped up in terms of not getting ever getting a 401k loan. Um, I am able to take about 60k in cash or the limit of 50k in a loan. But I was uh, curious to just get your opinion in terms of um, the remaining uh, 50k that I would like to liquidate. Um, what would you suggest? knowing that I have um, the 401k. 
And I'm happy okay. to answer any I got, I got a little bit lost <laughs> in the process. So you're buying a home. Yeah. You want to buy a home. Yes. You, have you contracted I, uh, for the home? Contracted, uh, did all the home inspection, and now it's just in terms of uh And you have, you have 10% down from the sale of employee stock. Um, yeah, so in terms of the um, the mortgage, so it was, I'll just tell you the numbers, it was um, 760 is what we closed on. Um, and right, You've uh, already closed on it? Oh, not closed, sorry. That's not the right word. Okay, but, contracted um, for. So yes, wait a minute, so, just stop just a second. I don't want to hear all that. The, the bottom line is you have 10% of your down payment, you've not closed yet, in the bank no. from the sale of employee stock. Correct. Not yes 10%. or no. Yes or no. I need no. I am still working on getting that ten percent. I want to get a hundred k. Okay. So how much do you have from the sale of the employee stock? Employee stock, I have fifty five k. Fifty five k. All right. And so you could do a Fannie Mae loan with five percent down with that on a fifteen year fixed. What is your house? What is your income? Uh, my income is about one thirty. Okay. All right. So you can probably pull this off. Um, you have no other savings at all other than 401k and you said you own some crypto. Yeah. And I put down the, uh, 14.5 initial, um, with just the cash that I had and that was it. So if you, you talk, you earn a money check. What was that? Well, you put down 14,500 as earnest money on the contract? Yes. Okay. Yes, yes. All right. Yes. And so 55, and you have no other money. You, you, you have zero emergency fund. Um, I I do have another um, TD Ameritrade stock uh, that I could sell or get. Uh, what is that worth? Cash. What's that worth? I could, I could pull out 23. It's 55 total, but it is, I could only access 23 without the double uh it's a Roth IRA so I would get double tax we don't cash out Roth IRAs we don't cash out 401ks no. we don't borrow on 401ks <laughs> so why is okay. it why is it you're not cashing out your crypto um it, it sounds like in terms of sourcing um and trusting where that cash comes from banks are not recognizing it in terms of a down payment no, but if you sell your crypto and you You'll have, have cash, the cash, sell the crypto. Mm -hmm. What's it worth? Um, I have about thirty k in okay. crypto. Sell it today. Today. Um, I I believe there was an issue with with that. It needs to be on the books for about two months. Uh, not no, you you don't have you have enough down payment to close on the deal now. You just don't have enough that you want. You can you can do a ninety five percent conventional Fannie Mae loan. You have five percent down, so you can mm -hmm. do that. But you're wanting to put ten percent down, and we're yes. trying to help you get there. Plus, you don't you have no money that you can get to except retirement accounts, and you're going to get penal you're going to get your butt penalized off. Okay, you're too broke. Mm -hmm. to, you're too broke to buy this house. Way too broke to buy this house. <laughs> but you've already contracted for it. You shouldn't have bought it. Because you've got all your money stuck it. at okay. you, you got because you don't have any money. You have no money. You're broke. I mean, you, all your mm -hmm. money's tied up in retirement accounts and other things. So anyway, the the deal is that um, uh, 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 yeah, I want you to have an emergency fund in place, a rainy day fund, and I don't want you. Mm -hmm. it, it, I, I 
I don't care, but I'm saying what I would advise you to do, <laughs> because if I were in your shoes and woke up, you need to close on this deal. You put down earnest money. You made a promise. You've made a pledge called a contract to buy this house. And so, yeah, you need to cash out your crypto today to be able to follow through on this and in whatever. And you need to have $20,000 cash in the bank after you close on this house. Do not close on this house and put every dime you have into it, because as soon as you move in, crap's going to fall in. You're going to need a new roof. And You're a new asking air for trouble. You're asking for trouble, being broken by a house. And so uh, it's not a blessing to buy a house when you're broke. You just got the 28-year-old fever. I got to have a Especially house all Especially a three-quarter of a million-dollar house. And you do make one hundred and thirty grand, which feels like a lot, but you bought a three-quarter of a million-dollar house with no money. Yeah. So broke. You, you, your 401k and your Roth IRA does not count because you cannot get to that without penalties and taxes. You start cashing this stuff out, you're going to get hit with a 10% penalty plus your tax rate. So you're going to get hit with 40%. Dave, I want to borrow money at 40% interest to buy this house. I would say, no, don't do that. That doesn't sound wise. And that is exactly what you I'm sure saying. You sure wouldn't take out a mortgage for 40%, yeah. right? Interest. Jeez. Nuts. Uh, and, but I'm keeping my freaking crypto. And I know it's cool to, yeah, to sit at some cool hipster bar and be like, oh, I got crypto. You're broke. Sell it. Typical crypto investor. Put $30,000 cash under your pillow for crying out loud. Yeah. Yeah. You need, you need, you need to put 20000 bucks in the bank and put the other 10000 in the crypto with the fifty five and put a $65,000 down payment on this house and close on it. Yeah. For God's sakes, put it on a fifteen-year fixed, and then get a six-month emergency and fund. And then work on your twenty thousand and start building up your emergency fund there. So, yeah. Whew. I don't even. It's well, tough, man. It's um. It's just it's what we talked about in another segment. It's just you get this picture in your head, and you start getting this fever, and all of a sudden, I'm going to do this and move that and sell that and hold on to this and. All these competing pictures when you collide. When you force a deal, yeah, you always do a bad deal. Man. And you're forcing this one, for sure. Okay, you guys, I hope you enjoyed this special episode. We'd love to know your thoughts. And if you want more best of content like this, send your feedback to ask at RamseySolutions.com.